Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 20 of Storytime for Weirdos. This episode is entitled Night Festival Part 2. Paula escorts Hagdon to his home, where she leaves him with firm instructions not to leave town. She stops by the guard station to instruct her guardsmen to keep an eye on Hagdon. She doesn't think he will leave, but one can never be too sure. She makes her way to the lore house, which sits across the main square from the town hall, where the meeting will take place at moonrise. Loremaster Padraig, she greets the old man behind the desk as she enters the lower house. He looks up from a book and smiles. Guard Captain Antonia, he replies in a firm baritone. Have you finished the epics that I loaned you? She wrinkles her nose. I have not, she says. It is slow going. The language is a bit old-fashioned and takes time to digest. The epics are the key to understanding the North, he replies. If you want to understand the people you serve, I know, I know, she says, which is why it is important I spend the time to understand them properly. Wouldn't you agree? Very much, he says, in a tone that implies that he doesn't. If you are not here about the epics, what brings you to my little lore house? I need to send a kestrel to the capital, and she hesitates before asking, do you have any lore on vampires? Kestrel's on the roof. Help yourself, he replies without blinking. Some of my predecessors wrote about vampires in the history. It will be pretty dry stuff. I'll pull the volumes for you. Paula walks through the shelves laden with books and papers to a set of stairs, which end at a small landing. She climbs a ladder from the landing to the roof. The wind whips her cloak around her as she emerges from the trap door onto a stone terrace set into the roof of the lower house. The steeply pitched roof rises to her left. To her right is a sharp drop without railing to the plaza below. Lining the terrace, with very little room between them and a ten-foot drop, are eight cages. Each cage has an open door. Six of them are empty. Paula carefully approaches the first occupied cage Inside are tiny slips of paper, a pencil with a finely chiseled tip, and a small falcon. The falcon eyes her as she writes her message on the paper, but holds out her talon for her to tie the tiny scroll to its leg. She steps away from the cage, and the bird lets out a cry and leaps into the air. The sun is already starting to slide behind the trees in the distance, but the kestrel will fly swiftly through the night. Her message will arrive sometime the next day. Paula returns to the interior of the lower house, where Lower Master Padraig waits for her with a small stack of books. Here are the volumes that mention vampires, he says, gesturing at the books. They are not indexed carefully, so you may have to read through them to find anything. He gives her a wry smile and moves back to his perch near the entrance. Paula sits down and begins going through the books. They are an account of the day-to-day -day occurrences of Heimnall, as recorded by the lore masters. The oldest is nearly 200 years ago. 
They're dated like a diary, and Paula skims through the oldest book first, looking for any reference to a vampire. Halfway through, she spots it. On the 20th day of the month of Sunfall, it reads, A body turned up lacking in blood, and several other people went missing. The Marl's men instigated a hunt and found a vampire in the sewer under Potash Row. The vampire was staked through the heart. Paula places a strip of paper to mark the passage and eyes the next book. It is dated 40 years later. Following a hunch, she skims through the entries to the month of Sunfall. There it is. On the 13th day, it reads, The Marl's men found a body in the cellar of Donson's. Over the course of several days, others have gone missing. The sky fire has returned. The account continues with the description of the visitors from the south arriving to see the sky fire. The origins of the night festival are evident. A few pages later, the author revisits the vampire case. The Marl's men instigated a hunt and staked the monster through the heart under Potash Row. The rest of the day is a blur as Paula reads through the other accounts. There is a consistent pattern. Every 40 years, a dead body turns up, people disappear, and either the Marl or the Guardsmen, after the North joins the Confederation, hunt the vampire down. It is found invariably under Potash Row. Paula starts at the sound of a bell. She realizes that she had stopped reading and is now just staring into the distance. The bell indicates that the moon has risen. She sighs and gets up from her table. Going to the town hall, Lord Master Padraig asks, wrapping his cloak around him. Yes, I think I'm on the agenda, she replies. More like on the menu, he quips. She eyes him. What have you heard? Nothing. It's just that the Lord Mayor doesn't assemble a mob without a reason, he says. Well, she says warily, he ought to take care. He doesn't find himself a side dish. At this, the lore master chuckles softly. You'll save this town yet, Captain. The two enter the town hall, a long basilica with a high timber-framed ceiling. The townspeople are assembling into the seats lining the main hall. It is noisy and warm, a sharp contrast to the cool, quiet of the streets outside. Paula and Pardag move to the far side of the hall, smiling and nodding to familiar faces. At the end of the room, on a small raised platform, Lord Mayor Parrish waits, bouncing on the balls of his feet with a barely contained excitement. Captain Antonia, he greets her above the din. I hope your investigation is going well. It is, Lord Mayor, she replies stiffly. I have much to report. Good, he says with a smile. We look forward to it. Bells are rung, indicating the meeting is starting, and Lord Mayor Parrish makes a short speech about the importance of the night festival to the health of Hymnal. He abruptly turns to Paula and says, Guard Captain Antonia will now update us on the safety measures her guardsmen are taking to ensure the night festival is a success. She fixes a neutral expression on her face and approaches the podium. Thank you, Lord Mayor Parrish, she says blandly. As many of you have probably already heard, Christiana Nymdal was found exsanguinated in the cellar of Goodson's Bakery. <gasps> a gasp goes through the crowd, Paula continues on. 
I have tracked her last known location and believe that she was pulled into the sewers in an old town alley not far from the grain warehouse. My working theory is that there is a vampire active in Heimnall. The room erupts. Several people jump to their feet, shouting, How can you be sure? What are we, what are we to do? Paula holds her hands for silence, and the room grows quiet. I highly recommend that we postpone the night festival, she begins, but is drowned out by a new and louder round of shouting accompanied by boos and jeers. Lord Mayor Parrish lets the chaos wash through the room for a few moments before he starts to whistle, the high pitch of which draws the attention of the whole room and quiets the crowd. My friends, he says, I'm afraid Guard Captain Antonia is right. We must do something. I propose a hunt. We'll organize a hunt. The party that stakes the monster will receive 300 crowns, Paula frowns. I'm afraid, Lord Mayor, that a party of untrained mortal men will be no match for an undead vampire. Bah, he interrupts her. The creature must be newly turned. We haven't had a vampire here in over 30 years. Actually, she counters, it's been 40 years, almost to the day. I consulted the histories. Ah, Lower Master Antonia, quips Lord Parrish. I consulted the histories, she continues, ignoring him. There is a pattern where every 40 years a vampire is investigated, hunted, and staked. My suspicion is that there is an elder, very dangerous vampire in Heimnall that keeps a set schedule of killing and abduction. Bah, says Lord Mayor Parrish again. Vampires are thoughtless, bloodthirsty creatures. One would never restrain itself from feeding for 40 years. Not true, says a forceful, gruff voice from the back of the hall. A vampire is as smart as any of you, and the old ones are wily and strong. The speaker, a man in a wide-brimmed hat and brown leather cloak, strides up the aisle as the town collectively turns. Who might you be? asked Lord Parrish, his annoyance at the interruption, compounded by the contradiction. I'm Max von Melson, he says. I'll hunt this vampire and all of its spawn for the reasonable price of 10,000 crowns. A gasp goes through the crowd, and Lord Parrish smiles at the stranger. We thank you for the offer, but I think we can manage this without your assistance. Shoot yourself, von Nelson replies. I'll be at the spotted stag if you change your mind. He nods to the Lord Mayor and tips his hat to Paula before turning and leaving the hall. Lord Parrish turns to Paula. Captain Antonio, your investigation is concluded. We'll organize the hunt. This will be wrapped up by the time the festival opens, I'm sure. As you wish, Lord Parrish, Paula says, her face neutral. The festival can proceed if the hunt is successful. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Storytime for Weirdos, a bi-weekly podcast with new episodes posted on the first and third Saturday of every month.